Psalm 37, and while you're turning to Psalm 37, two of our fellows that did have surgery, uh, Tom Carell and also Dave Weezy. Dave's in church today, of course, he's good, and, and Tom Carell is home, so continue to pray for them as they recover and pray for their families. I know they will appreciate it very, very much. And pray for Gavin Crawl, physical need. Pray for Gavin, young man. So pray for him. Now, I got here a year's reflections. These are not New Year's resolutions. These are a year's reflections. I am not into working out. My philosophy is no pain, no pain. I'm in shape. Round is a shape. Ever notice... I don't know what this has to do with last year, but ever notice when you blow into a dog's face, he gets mad at you? But when you take him in the car outside, he sticks his tongue and head out the window? Ever notice that anyone driving slower than you is an idiot? But anyone going faster is a maniac. You have to stay in shape. My mother started walking five miles a day when she was 60. She's now 97, and we don't know where she is. Ask people why they put deer's heads on the wall. And they tell you it's because it's such a beautiful animal. And one fellow says, I think my wife is beautiful, but I only have pictures of her on the wall. (laughs) How to lie to the bathroom scale. This is not spiritual stuff, but it's funny. Weigh yourself with your clothes on after dinner. Weigh yourself again in the morning before breakfast without clothes. It would be nice to see how much weight you lost overnight. <laughs> Never weigh yourself with wet hair. When weighing, remove everything, including glasses. In this case, blurred vision is an asset. Don't forget your earrings, ladies. These things can weigh at least a pound. Use cheap skills only. Never use the medical kind because they're always five pounds off. Stand with arms raised, making pressure on the scale lighter. Weigh yourself after haircut. This is good for at least half a pound of hair, hopefully. Exhale with all your might before stepping onto the scale. You don't want to weigh all the extra air, do you? So I'll stop right there. Psalm 37. Good to see you again this morning in the Lord's house and in our adult class. As you know, we're in the middle of as this last year and the beginning of the new year trying to rebuild the Sunday school. So all our classes are in place this morning. And some of our classes, all of them need more students. And so if you are a parent or a grandparent, let me encourage you to get your grandkids here. Bring them to your own kids. Because when parents come, they, they come to the old class, and then kids go to their classes. It's not rocket science. And so there are many folks that we're trying to work on, so help us with that. We'll appreciate that very much. Psalm 37. This morning I want to talk on the subject of worrying, worrying. You know worrying means, by definition, it means to make or be troubled or uneasy. To make it be troubled or uneasy. Now, all of us worry one time or another. 
Now, some people are more prone to worry than other people. We understand that. But for the believer, worry could become a sin to you if you're not careful. It could become a sin. And worry can kill you. Have you heard somebody say expression, oh, they, they worry themselves to death? No, I don't think the medical world would agree with that, but I think there's some truth in that. <clears throat> and I like what I saw in it. I saw a listing of church bulletin bloopers. That means the, there's a wrong word I said the wrong way. It could be taken two ways. Listen to this one. We're talking about worry. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Psalm 37. Fret. That would be another word we might use today for worry. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. There's a resolution for 2021. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the men who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Worry. Worry is the worthless emotion. Worry doesn't help solve tomorrow's problems. It never has, and it never will. Think of your own circumstance. That's true. Worry drains strength of, to face today's difficulties. And we certainly live in stressful and difficult days. And by the way, we're not the only ones. If you read secular history, world history, and you read the Bible, there have been plenty of times since God created Adam and Eve where there's been difficulties. So it's not just now, this is the only one ever. Read your Bible and read history. And so God has had a people all along. So he, the same applies for them as for us today. And we know, again, that worrying doesn't help anything. Well, if it does, I want you to talk to me after class. Because I'll worry more. And the sooner off we learn that, the better off we're going to be. The psalmist, David here, calls us to stop worrying. He uses the word fret. Fret not, or worry not, if I can say it that way. So this psalm, or the word psalm means psalm, it helps us with a common problem to all. Now, David is writing, and he no doubt experienced these things. That's why he's writing them down. And God used his experience and preserved his word that we can have it today to help us today because things really haven't changed. Now, think of this. David was a king. Do you think he had anything to worry about? Maybe a couple of things. He also was a husband. Do you think as a husband he had anything to worry about? I'm sure he also was a father. Do you think he had anything to worry about being a father? Mm, I think so, and you can relate. Maybe you're not, we're not kings, but we've been husbands or wives or fathers, and we can relate to them to some degree. Remember also, David was the king. He was the leader of a nation. 
and he was a national leader, and he was well-known, so he had a lot of things to worry about that he could have worried about. Someone said this psalm is a psalm in which the Lord sweetly quiets the common complaints of his people. That's pretty true. And do you know the reading of the book of Psalms will help you. Sometimes when you're done reading your Bible verses for the day, or if you need something extra to read, pick up Psalms. It has some special calming effect on us. It really works. So read the Psalms. It can help you have effect. The Word of God has effects on you. It'll help you better than the Canton Repository. Or the Evening Independent. David, as we read these verses, one of his things he was worrying about or fretting about, he said in verse 1, he was worrying or fretting over the prosperity of the wicked. That's not new. In other words, these bad people, and I'm saying this, and these are my words, these bad people are doing really good. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm having a hard time. <clears throat> that is not a new thing. David had that very thing, so he said, so God used him and his experience to write this down for us. <clears throat> the prosperity of the wicked. Oh, the unsaved are having fun. They're having a good... Really? Maybe you should go home with some of them. Sometimes we see them at work, we see them at Walmart, and they smile and everything. Go home with them for a day. You can learn a lot about a person by, by living with them. <clears throat> but just take a couple days, and you might find out it's not so great after all. David thought they were doing really good. You know what? That was his perception. Do you know what? Sometimes our perceptions are wrong. In general, and about this, oh, they're doing really good. Maybe not. Maybe they can't sleep at night because they're worrying about stuff. So have you ever worried about the prosperity of the wicked? If David did, there's a good chance maybe we have a time or two, if you'd be honest. So it speaks to this. Now, what's your common complaint? Now, I'm talking about things that you would worry about. What makes you a worrier? In this passage, there are four words that we're going to look at for a few minutes this morning that will help us to win over worry. Now, the first thing before we look at those, and I give them to you, I want to encourage you to write these down. It's good to write notes of all messages, but especially this one, because you'll have this to refer back to. But first thing is you have to decide, and you in your own mind, nobody can decide it for you. Do you want to be have victory over worry? I am convinced there are some people, and I could call their names and I won't, who always have to be worrying about something. And if there's nothing to worry about, they make something up. I got one lady laughing at me. She, you agree? I mean, it's, isn't that the truth? You know anybody like that? They always have something to worry about. Why? Now, my grandma used to say, if you worry, you have gray hairs and ulcers. Oh, that's not Bible either. It might be true, but I don't know. So first you have to decide, do you want to have victory over, or do you want to keep on worrying? I think probably most people who are thinking right would say, I, I want to have victory over it. And by the way, the unsafe person can have victory over it. Only God's people, with God's grace, with his help, and by the aid of the Holy Spirit. Didn't Paul say, I could do all things through Christ? Do you think Paul ever worried about anything? I think the answer is yes. 
He said, I can do it. I can get over this worry through Christ. So can you through Christ. Not on your own. You're going to fail. Don't go to the bookstore and buy some, a secular bookstore and buy some dumb book. Get, get this book out. And how about Psalm 37? I'm going to give you the formula that God gave us through David's experience. It's really so simple and scary. I want you to write these four words down that we're going to talk about them. It's right, and the words are right here in this text. The first word is trust in verse 3. The second word is delight in verse 4. The third word is commit in verse 5. And the fourth word is rest in verse 7. Isn't that hard to understand? Not really. The Bible's a lot easier to understand than people make it out to be. I think some people don't want to understand it. Because you know when you understand it, then you have to do something about what you understand. And people don't want to do it. Not everybody. So these four words will enable us to win over worry if you want to worry. Again, these are this is from the Word of God. This is not from Dr. Jacob's book. I didn't write a book. This is God's book. And he's writing this. So it's true, it's preserved it for us. The first word is trust. Look at verse 3. Remember he talks in verse 1 about worrying, fretting. Then he says in verse 3, okay, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Do you know what trust means? It's very interesting. It means to believe in the honesty and reliability of another. To believe in the honesty and reliability of another. In this case, David reminds himself, as he is writing, I believe, in you and I to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Isn't that simple? The question is, why don't we do it? You'll have to answer that question. Trust is another word, I believe, for faith. By the way, Paul told the Ephesian Christians in chapter 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord. Being strong, I think, is part of overcoming worry. The Christian life, as we know, begins in faith when we trust him as our personal Savior. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you saved through faith. That's where it all starts, the Christian life. Paul said to the Romans in chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in jail, they sang praises at midnight. And then they talked to the Philippian jailer. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And, and they said, verse 31 of Acts 16, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the beginning place. Without, we know the Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six and other places, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not improbable, like, it's impossible. Faith, the trust of the Savior, by the way, you've never seen him, have you? Well, you're trusting him to save you and take you to heaven and forgive you of all your sins. Pretty interesting. That's faith, isn't it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Christians are supposed to live by faith. We read that in Romans 1, verse 17. The just should live by faith. Oh, that doesn't mean quit your job and say, bless God, I'm going to sit at home and watch cable television and think about corona and distrust God, take care of me. You're going to get hungry about it by Tuesday. I've used the illustration, I think recently, about Joseph in Egypt. Joseph planned during the years of plenty, so when they had a famine, they had food. That's, not, that's pretty smart, huh? 
So I'm not talking about planning, but we need to be careful. We're to live by faith. What's that mean? Not faith in yourself. If we have faith in ourselves, we might be disappointed, all of us. He said to trust in the Lord. The unsaved person can't do that. Oh, they might say the words, but they can't do it. And by the way, the peace of God comes through faith. Remember what Paul said to Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 6, when he's telling them, be careful for nothing. We might add to that or say to that, don't worry about anything. Isn't that easy to say? Don't worry about anything. That's so easy to say. It's different to walk out the building and do it, isn't it? Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. That's the one you're trusting in. Be known to God. And what's the result? Verse 7, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, not the peace of the world. Jesus said, I give you my peace, not as the world giveth. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know, too, the biggest problems we have in this country today? People's hearts? And I don't admit, I'm not being critical. I'm giving you medical facts now. <clears throat> hearts and people's minds. I wonder if they're not doing this verse. I wonder if Christians aren't doing this verse. Their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It goes back to be careful for nothing. So we're to live by faith and trust in him. Fear or worry is the opposite of faith. It's the opposite. Faith drives fears away. Someone said it this way. Faith cures fretting. Trust in the Lord. Question is, are you? Did you in 2020? You know what? If you did in 2020, it's probably pretty likely you're going to do in 2021. Now, if you didn't in 2020, you can start trusting the Lord. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in him. It's so simple, and yet sometimes we don't follow through. The first word is trust. The second word is delight. In verse 4, delight thyself. No, you do it yourself. Delight thyself also in the Lord. David's talking to himself, I believe, and he's talking to us. What does it mean to delight? Delight means to take great pleasure. Now remember at Thanksgiving Christmas when you ate all that good stuff? Me too. It took me a while, but I ate it. Wasn't it delightful? Oh, it tastes good. I like it. You like it. It's delightful. Delight is to take great pleasure. And you might even say, give me another piece of that pumpkin pie. Or pecan pie. I told my therapist I ate pecan pie. He looked at me funny like, did you do that? I said, yeah, I ate pecan pie. It's good. I like it. I took great pleasure in it. I had some more. I've had some since then. Take great pleasure. David said, we're talking about worrying and fretting. Delight thyself. Thyself. You do it yourself. Also in the Lord. Not only to trust in him, but also delight in him. Now think about this for a minute. Do we take great pleasure in the Lord? 
I would not say nobody does, but I would say we probably could do a little bit better if we're even doing it. We are to take great pleasure in the Lord. He's, in other words, he's up. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You go back and check out the things. It's clothes, food, stuff like that. That's the stuff people worry about, isn't it? Oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? And in that passage in Matthew 6, it says the Gentiles worry about that stuff. It doesn't use the word worry, but that's what it means. They're concerned with that stuff. In other words, the unsaved, they're worried about all kinds of stuff. Don't you be worried. Your father knows your need before you ask. Trust in him. Delight in him. In other words, he's first. Everything else will fall into place. We're talking about worry. Our walk with him is to be our delight. Is it yours? Did you walk with him last year? You're going to walk with him this year? Obviously, we can't physically walk with him. That would be neat, though, wouldn't it? We can't physically walk with him, but we can certainly walk with him. In communion, fellowship, in prayer, reading his word, and he speaks, if you read his word, he'll speak to you. Now, you don't hear an audible voice, but he definitely speaks to you. Especially if you're all by yourself in the room and you're reading, you're going, is that me? The Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's you. I'm talking to you, buddy. That's walking with him. It's to be our delight, take great pleasure in him. The world doesn't do that. and has no capacity to do that. Remember one of the Ten Commandments of us that love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. You ever read that? That's one of the Ten Commandments. People always say, oh, I do the Ten Commandments. How about that one? We might say take pleasure in him. Do we really? Take great delight. <clears throat> what gives us pleasure reveals the reality of our faith. Let me say that again. What gives us pleasure reveals the reality of our faith. If money is our delight, remember, take great pleasure. If money is our delight, we'll fret at the love of losing it. <clears throat> if success is our delight, we will fret at the thought of failure. In general, mankind's thinking of success and God's thinking of success are not the same. Man's success, his success, oh, and people will be evaluating now in January, won't they? Because December's over. Oh, how much money did I make last year? How much money did the business make last year? Et cetera, et cetera. And some will be going, oh, well, I'm in the hole, I'm in trouble. Fret not thyself. Delight thyself also in the Lord. <clears throat> God's thinking of success is much different. In business, they want to make money. I understand that. In sports, they want to win. Now, some of you, many of us, watch sports stuff. When you watch sports stuff, by the way, pray for the Browns. They're playing tonight at 8 o'clock. But some of you who are diehard Browns fans, you'll be sitting there and you'll watch the game and you're taking pleasure in it, especially if they win. Now, if they don't, you say, those bums. But you take pleasure in it. You're excited about it. You want them to win. Okay. David said, delight thyself also in the Lord. We need to take some of that thinking and that rationale and transfer that. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch the Browns lose or win. They're actually doing better this year, but still. 
That's sports success. Do you think God's in heaven said, oh boy, the Browns won. They're doing good. I'm not trying to put down the Browns. I'm just saying what men think success is, winning the football game, getting, and then really, you know what winning the game means? More of this stuff. Do you know how much those guys get paid and you know how much they get if they get to the playoff and the, and, and the world championship game? Even the guys that don't win make big bucks. They get those big rings too, the honker rings, but they get big bucks. That's success to them. The Bible, do you know the Bible uses the word success one time? And here it is in Joshua 1.8. I'm going to read it for you. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This is the only time in the Bible the word success. We're talking about worrying. We're talking about what we're thinking as success. This book of the law, remember, all he had was up to there. He didn't have the whole Bible. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So God says, at least in this verse, it's in principle in other verses, but in this verse he says the word success is you reading the word of God, and assimilating it, or simply put doing it, reading it and doing it. That's why we need to read it every day, so we can do it. What's it told us to do? Do that. That is success in God's mind. In the world's mind, they're thinking, you read, you read that crazy book? I'll never forget in high school, this girl, she was cute. And she said behind me, when, somehow we were talking about stuff, and she said, she looked at me, and she looked real puzzled. She goes, you mean you read that Bible every day? Like I'm from outer space. This was a couple years ago. But still, and I said to her, yeah, I do. I read it every day. And that poor girl, if I remember right, I'm stating facts. She was a Mormon. And those days, they had to go to catechism class at 5 o'clock in the morning. I almost said, you mean you get up at 5 o'clock to go to the, to the catechism class at the Mormon church? Because she did. But I didn't. I just bit my tongue. But she thought I was a lunatic. I mean, she's like, I cannot believe that. Look where we are in the public schools in the last 45 years. Look where we are in our society. You think maybe, maybe, some of that is we're not thinking of success like God does. Read his word and do it. It's not the, it's not the hard to understand. Read it and do it. And so that is success. Again, we're talking about if you're worried about success, oh, I, don't, I didn't make enough money last year. I didn't do this. I didn't have this. <clears throat> Who are you trying to be successful to, the world or to God? You don't have to stand before the You have to stand before him. What a sobering thought. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We have to appear before him. And the verse goes on and say, for the things done in our body, whether they be good or bad. That's a, I don't like to read that verse. 2 Corinthians 5.10. That's why I memorized that. I don't want to read it. Because it's convicting. God will say when he says well done thou good and faithful servant. That's success. Because you've been doing it all along. Not how much money you have or how many houses you have how many cars you have. And those things are wrong. But that's not success. You can have 
six cars. My neighbor, he passed away, but he used to have like six or seven cars, and they were all junkers. He's dead now. And I said to him one day, I said, why don't you put all those things together and have one decent car? He looks at me like, what planet are you from? So I dropped it. I mean, and the, he had a couple that just sat in the driveway or behind the garage. I'm thinking, he never starts them. They don't work. Get rid of them. He might have thought it was successful because he had more cars in the driveway. I don't know. I dropped it after that because whatever. Anyway, that's not success. Now, if you have six Cadillacs and they work and start, that might be a little bit of success, but not have six cars and only one of them works and it's a piece of junk. When Christ is our delight, we will find pleasure in reading his word. Let me say it again. When Christ is our delight, when we're delighting, we take pleasure in him. When we read his word, it's not going to be, oh, i got to read the Bible today. Now, do you ever do that when you eat, eat lunch? Oh, i got to eat lunch today. It's horrible. I don't want to eat lunch today. Or supper or breakfast. I don't think we do that. We take pleasure in it, don't we? When Christ is our pleasure, we take delight in him. We'll, we'll, find, we'll read his word and we'll say, oh, I get to read the Bible today. I pray that God will speak to my heart. I always pray that God will speak to my heart. And when I read, I say, speak to Mark Jacobs, not Pastor Mark Jacobs. Follow me? Speak to Mark Jacobs. Now, Mark Jacobs may find something here that Pastor Mark Jacobs might use, but I want him to speak to me as a, an individual believer. It's funny, when I do, it always happens, some little something. I found something this morning, so this is pretty neat. And what's great about the Bible, you can read it over and over and over and over again. And you find new stuff or understand new stuff. I said to myself many times, how come I never saw that before? I've read it many times. I've missed it. I'll take the blame. We'll find pleasure in reading his word. And by by the way, reading his word will help you not to worry. Because he will assure you that who he is, what he is, it'll it'll help you not to worry by reading his word. It just will. It's like a medicine. I don't understand it, but it works. It doesn't cost anything. We'll find pleasure also in prayer. Oh, i got to get my little list out because I pray for those people I don't like. Do people think that way? Some do. I know i got to pray for them, and their name was mentioned in church, but really I don't want to pray for them. I've got to talk to the Lord. Some people we enjoy talking to, don't we? We need to do that with him, take pleasure, delight in talking with him. Say, but I can't see him. Does that mean he's not there? Of course not, we know. But we take pleasure being, and we also take pleasure in him. We'll enjoy being in his house with his people. Especially if you work in a place during the week where the majority of the people are not God's people. And I say that kindly but factually. Coming to church is like a, can I say it this way, a breath of fresh air. Hopefully nobody's going to be cussing, using foul language. Now you may hear a few jokes that aren't funny from the pulpit. But they're not going to be off-color jokes. Sometimes people at work tell you off-color jokes to see how you're going to respond. What I do is I tell them one of my jokes and it's not funny and that shuts them up. It works every time. <clears throat> what I used to do, I should say. Now I just tell them people, just say, well, that's a preacher, he don't know how to tell jokes. That's true. So being in the house with his people... All these things help you and me to delight in the Lord, to build our delight, to strengthen our delight, to have more. 
Shouldn't we work toward heaven more? I think so. Remember the second word in verse 4? Thyself. You have to do it yourself. I can't do it for you. I'd like to. I can't. So guess what? If you don't do it, I'm not sure if this is grammatically correct, but I'm going to say it. It don't get done. It doesn't get done. It's not your wife. It's not the kids. It's not the pastor. It's not the church. It's you. Delight yourself in the Lord. You have to constantly work at it. Today, let me ask you a question to think to yourself. Right now, January 10th, 2021, is Christ your delight, truly? Remember in, in, in verse 4, he said, delight yourself in him, and what's the result? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Pretty neat verse, isn't it? But remember, he's first. The third word in verse, found in verse 5 is commit. <clears throat> commit thy way unto the Lord. Remember David started out in verse 1 about fretting and worrying that he's given the solution. Commit thy way unto the Lord. To commit is to entrust something to another person. For them to take care of or work things out and meet the need, not you. We use the word today, Delegate. Sometimes delegation is good, sometimes it's not good. You ever delegate your kids to take the trash out? And does it get taken out? Or you delegate someone to do the job and you, you have confidence they're going to do it and they don't. Maybe it's not a child, maybe it's someone else, maybe it's someone you work with or whatever. You're entrusting them. You're committing to them your trust to take care of this thing, whatever, whatever it is, no matter how small or how large it is, that's what commit is. We are to commit or entrust our way to the Lord. In other words, let him, let him take care of it. We know he can. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. He can and he will. We've got to commit to him. Not, again, that doesn't mean we just don't, well, I'm going to commit to the Lord and my car's going to be filled with gas. You're going to be empty by Friday. You've got to go to Speedway and put it in yourself and realize he's the one that gives you the money and the ability to do it. But commit your way to the Lord. <clears throat> things that you can't take care of, the things you can take care of, take care of. You don't have to, you don't have to, in the morning when the, when the alarm goes off, you get out of bed. It's not spiritual. You do it. And whatever you can take care of, take care of. But our ways, our life, which direction we're going, we read in, in Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't we do that? Well, I can, I, we say, I got this. I can figure this out. And you know God's saying? This is me saying it. God said, okay, go ahead. You got to figure it out. You don't need me. Go ahead. And you go ahead and you make a mess. You say, and then you say, Lord, would you help me out of this mess? And it's almost the Lord says, why didn't you ask me the first time? Have you been there? We all have. <clears throat> the verse goes on to say in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, In all thy ways. What does that mean? It means just what it says. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? Bring him into consideration. Bring him into what you're thinking. Acknowledge that, God, you got a part of this. If you're saved, 
Acknowledge him. And that's not the end of the verse. It says, in all thy ways, verse 6 of Proverbs 3 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what's the result? He shall direct your path which way you're going. So if we don't acknowledge him, we're not going to know which path to take. You ever take the wrong path? We all have. Go back, you probably didn't acknowledge him. You didn't bring him into that thinking. We're talking about worrying. And then you start worrying. It could be avoided if we would commit our way into him. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen to me today. You might say tomorrow when you get up. But I'm trusting you. I'm committing my life into you. I commit the day to you. And I'm going to let you take care of things. I'm not going to try to care for myself. We're also to give him our trials and treasures our todays and tomorrows. We can, we can then safely entrust the future to the Lord. <clears throat> One of the things about 2021, you don't know what's going to happen. If you do, I know some people would like to talk to you. Now, we read and hear about people prognosticating the future. They do it for money. Now, anybody can say, I can tell you a couple of things that will happen this year. Just like you can. Any idiot didn't sound nice, did it? Any idiot can tell you a few things are going to happen this year. So some people are better than others, of course. They can guess at things. But you know who knows what's going to happen in 2021? Not me or you. The Lord does. Now we all know that. We agree with that. But we have to commit our way to him. Are you going to worry about it? You ever worry about Thursday on Tuesday? It doesn't work. I've tried it a couple times. I try to live on Thursday and Tuesday. It doesn't work either. I don't, so why worry about it? For all you know, the Lord could come on Wednesday and you worried for nothing. <clears throat> I think there's a song about that. Cheer up, you saints of God. You're nothing to worry about. Nothing to be ashamed. Nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never fails. So why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. You know, I learned that song. Junior Church. Ain't it the truth, though? You'll be sorry you're worried at all tomorrow morning. You ever hit yourself in the head and say, dumb me, why do I worry about that stuff? We've all done it. I'm raising my hand for all of us. We've all done it. And so, in salvation, we trust our souls to him. Didn't Jesus say, I give them eternal life? No, he did or he didn't. We're committing that to him. And he said, no man shall take them and pluck them out of my hand. We commit that to him also. We can trust in him and commit ourselves to him. The question on this to us today is, do you commit your way to the Lord? You have to do that yourself too. I can't, I can't commit your way to the Lord. You have to do it yourself. And it's something I think you need to do every day. It will help you with worry. Now, if you don't want to help, go ahead and worry. Really, none of us want to, but we do. The fourth word is rest. Look at verse 7 again. The first four words of verse 7, rest in the Lord. To rest is to relax completely. People in America, especially, they have trouble with that, don't they? Oh, we've got to go here, we've got to go here, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. We gotta... We're always on the move. Even if you don't have children, you've got to... So where are you going? What are you in such a hurry for? Well, I know sometimes we're trying to get somewhere. And you know how it is. When you're really in a, 
in time trouble, that's when all the lights are red. That's when you get behind all the trucks. That's when you get behind people who are driving really slow. That's when somebody at Walmart, the cashier, is, is really goofed up and you're going, oh, man. And when you don't have to be somewhere, every light's green. No people going slow. No big trucks. Are you with me? I thought it was just me for a while. I thought, this is it's, It almost becomes funny. You say, what's going on here? Rest in the Lord. Completely relax, completely. Boy, that's so hard to do. Christians are to relax, save people, to relax in the love and care of Christ. I'm sure you've read that verse if you read your Bible this past year. 1 Peter 5, 7. You know what it says? I'm going to tell you. Casting all your care. Could I use the word worry? That kind of goes along with worry, fretting, caring. You're kind of all in the same family. Casting all your care upon him. That's not the end of the verse. For he cares for you. Boy, what a good verse. We're talking about worry. We're talking about resting. Committing it to him and resting in him will help you and me not to worry. I like that verse in Psalm 55, verse 22. You know what it says? Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. That goes along with 1 Peter 5, 7 real good, doesn't it? Excuse me, real well. <laughs> Psalm 55, 12, cast thy burden on the Lord. Cast, you know what, you know what it's, when you go fishing, you cast, you go, whew, if you, unless you got a cheap stick with a, with a string on the end of it. That's a, I, I go fishing with that because I don't like to fish. But one time I got a, a rod reel. You cast, you go, whew, and you can't see where it goes. Unless you got a bobber and it's gone. <clears throat> cast your burden on the Lord. We're talking about being we're talking about worrying. Which I'm sure nobody in this class ever worries about anything. Lie not. <clears throat> David, you you would think David wouldn't worry about anything. He was a big shot, he had money, he had all kinds of stuff, he was the king, he was the boss. The Bible says he was the apple of God's eye. He didn't say it about you or me, or about anybody else. Moses was a meek man, but he said David was the apple of God's eye. And yet, he must have worried about things. That's why he wrote this stuff. Why are there so many anxious Christians? Are you anxious? How can we fret when the future is in his hands? Resting in Jesus brings peace in daily life. So are you resting in him? We all should. We all need to do it. And we all need to do more. Notice again the four words. Trust, delight, commit, and rest. And notice again in the verse, or what I bring to our attention again, they all are supposed to be done in the Lord or to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Makes it very easy to understand. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Rest in the Lord. It's all in him. Now you know what? It's all up to you and me. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Maybe God has challenged you, spoken to your heart through this. A little lesson of worry that I think we all need to think about a little bit. Father, speak to our hearts. There certainly are many things that would cause us to worry. 
You said in the world we'll have tribulation. We understand that. Many things would cause us to get off track. So help each person in our adult class, help each person in our church, help those who may be listening at home today who are not physically able to be out. We pray that you would help them, help us all to trust you more and worry less. Speak to that one who may need Christ as Savior, that they would see their need to trust him so they can have this peace and rest that you give. We pray in Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed for just a moment. Maybe you need to talk to the Lord there in your seat. You certainly can always come forward, but maybe you need to talk to the Lord in your seat. Ask him to help you. Sin, worrying can become a sin. It doesn't mean it is a sin, but it can become one if we're not careful. Well, we wait just a moment. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's part of it too. All right, we'll bring our class to conclusion. Thank you so much.